Shalom, and thank you for listening to the weekly teaching from Nachamu Ami. It's our honor that you've chosen to participate virtually, and we hope that this lesson will be an inspiration in your daily walk. Don't miss a single teaching. Be sure to download the Nachamu Ami app by visiting our website at www.makeandmessianic.com and clicking the Download the App button in the top left corner. Enjoy the message. We have before us this week probably the one of the most important Torah portions of the entire Torah. Actually, one of the most important sections of the entire Bible for sure. Because in it we find the ten words, technically. The ten words, Aseret Devarim, or Hadevarim. Despite modern interpretations of the irrelevance of the Ten Commandments, they define our lives. They are the first words spoken from God to the people. Everyone heard them. It's a monumental text. It's a monumental interaction. It's the beginning of a monumental relationship. And so my question to you, and I phrased it uh, in some way yesterday in yesterday's email, why in the world are the Ten Commandments contained in a Parsha named after a Midianite priest? Why are the Ten Commandments contained in a Torah portion called Yitro, which is about a Gentile from Midian, who's not even really part of the family if we really consider it? It's one little chapter in the Torah portion. Chapter 18, it tells the story of Jethro, Yitro. Why, I ask, couldn't the sages have just attached that to last week's portion, which ended with Amalek, who was also, well, actually, he's kind of part of the family, really. He's descended from Esau. But still, wouldn't it have made more sense? We could have just latched 18 onto last week, and we could have started this week's portion with, instead of starting by saying Jethro, The minister of Midian, the father-in-law of Moses, heard everything God did to Moses and his people. Why not have started with, in the third month, from the exodus of the children of Israel from Egypt, on this day, they arrived in the wilderness of Sinai. Man, that's got a lot more power than Jethro. Who is Jethro? Well, I've decided to preach today the message completely in song. Come and listen to the story about a man named Jethro, a Midianite priest who said, Moses, don't go solo. You're listening, you're hearing all the problems from the people, it ain't good. You don't find yourself some help, you'll end up in a box of wood. (laughs) Buried, that is, dead in the Sinai Desert. A Midianite with ability. 
Okay, you got it? We'll leave it at that. Jethro, not Bodine. My hypothesis, my suggestion to you, is that Jethro has a lot of very, 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 very important things to tell us. There's no mistake in the ordering of the Torah. There's no confusion here. So rather than, which might be almost heretical, rather than focus this week's teaching on the ten words, instead I'm going to teach it on ten things that Jethro can teach us. Because they're very, very relevant to your life. Number one, number one, the Torah is for the world. The Torah is for the world. Jethro is an example par excellence of a pagan leader who upon recognizing the futility of heathen cults embraced the God and the law of Israel. The same Israel, the same theme actually is repeated when we celebrate the giving of the Torah. What is that holiday called? Shavuot. The same theme is repeated on Shavuot when we read a particular text which is relevant to, which is traditional for that holiday. What is the Megillah from Shavuot that we read? Ruth. What is Ruth? What was Ruth? Ruth was a Gentile who said, you shall be my people. Jethro is the king, so to speak, of converts. The Torah, and by the way, what I read about Jethro being the, the par excellence, that comes from the Rabbi Eli Monk, I'm reading directly from him. I also want to show you that this is the commentary, a very famous commentary called Meam Loez. This is one volume of this week's commentary on Parsha Yitro. Okay? Now, what's interesting about that is this is how much of it is on chapter 18. The rest is all about the Ten Commandments. Which makes it all the more miraculous that I'm going to keep you here for as long as I am to tell you all the ten things that Jethro is going to teach you. Kidding. Number one, the Torah is for everyone. <clears throat> now, there's another lesson in that though. And it goes to what I just said about Amalek from last week. There's a very particular reason why Jethro starts the Ten Commandment portion. Last week, we did meet Amalek. Amalek, descendant of Esau, member of somewhat, you could say, connected to the family. And what did he do to the family? He hunted down the weak from the back and tried to kill them and had to be defeated, right? Amalek represents the opposite of what Yitro was. And Yitro was from the nations. This is a statement that's still being made today. Yitro says, I embrace the Jewish people. 
I embrace you. I embrace the Torah. I embrace the law. Chronologically, this did not happen before the giving of the Ten Commandments, actually. The Torah is not always chronologic. And not always in chronological order. But that's just a little side note. You can look that up for yourself. But the point is, Jethro, when he says, I embrace your God, he's also in saying, I embrace your Torah. It had already been given. But... This is a decision that still faces the world today. Do we accept the Jewish people? Do we accept the Ten Commandments and the Torah? Or do we reject them and hunt them down from the back? It's happened both ways in history, yes? Jethro represents the picture of the healthy embrace of Jew and Gentile for the one true God. This is not a mistake that Jethro gets to start this off. Because God wants to communicate something very important. Two, never prejudge. People can change. And I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Sometimes the people that you want to change, the people that you feel it's your obligation to change them, and that you can preach them into something or convince them into something, sometimes you don't need to do a thing, because God, if you'll give it to him, can do it on his own. When Jethro showed up, Moses did not say, hey, you know what? I love you, buddy, but you're a real, you're, you're, you're filthy. You're a pagan. You're disgusting. You're gross. You need to X, Y, Z, one, two, three, A, B, C. You need to do all these things. You need to be better. Who changed Jethro? God changed Jethro. Why? Because Jethro saw God. You just need to represent God to some people, like Moses did. Moses shared with Jethro all the things that had happened. And Jethro said, wow, I'm coming on board. There is no God like yours. Don't prejudge people. They can change. And sometimes you don't have to do much. You just need to be there and you need to pray. Number three, you never know who God will use to teach you something. Yitro says to Moshe in one section, he says, now listen to me. I'll give you counsel. How many people in here would like it if someone who is like Jethro, who doesn't know these things that Moses knows, comes up to him and says, now, hey, listen here. I'm going to tell you how it is, Glenn. Are you the first one to say, "Mm, yes, I am interested. Let me hear what you have to say. Most people go, who are you? Why would I trust you? What do you have that I don't already have? You never know who God is going to use to teach you. Just ask Balaam. He was taught by? It's in the Bible. Number four. Don't assume that your position, your accomplishments, your successes in life provide the answers to every problem. Moses 
had been through, you could virtually say hell and back here. He had led these people out. He had the experience. He had the story. He had the power. He had the staff. And I don't mean the employees. He had the staff of God. Did he have the answers needed to solve his own problem? No. Why didn't God just tell him, Moses, you're not doing this right, son? Because he wanted Moses to learn a lesson. You always have something to learn. Don't ever prejudge who's bringing it. Don't think that your experience or your your wisdom or your knowledge eliminates you from receiving things from people that you might consider to be less than yourself. Number five. Don't think so highly of yourself. Learn to delegate. This is what I'd like to call clergy corner. Any pastors, any rabbis in this room, any people who have ever led in a ministry environment? Here's the way it goes. I'm going to let you in on the... I'm going to take you backstage for just a second. You ready? You don't even need a pass. Everybody, now I don't have this because the congregation that I happen to lead is perfect and filled with perfect people who never have problems because they're perfect. But most of the time, here's what happens, and now it has happened to me and I've been guilty of it. Someone needs you. Okay, whatever it is, I'm there. But they need you here too. I'm there. They need you, I'm there, but you need to do this message, and it's got to be amazing. It's got to blow everybody's socks off. Okay, I'll do it. And eventually what happens is you are so thin, so stretched, so spread that you're useless. And I talked about it last week a little bit when I was very honest with you about how quickly you can get away from God, caught up in the busyness of things. What's so interesting about that is that happens universally in ministry. You come to a point of maturity where you realize, man, I can't do this, and you have to learn this very important word. It's found in the Ten Commandments, low. Low means no. Sometimes you have to say that. But here's the interesting thing that God had already spoken in the Torah to every ministry leader. Moses is sitting there next day, literally. He's literally sitting there. Moses sat as magistrate among the peoples while the people stood about Moses from morning until evening. But when Moses' father-in-law saw how much he had to do for the people, he said, what is this thing you're doing to the people? Why do you act alone while all the people stand about you from morning until evening? Moses replied to his father-in-law, it is because the people come to me to inquire of God. In other words, they're here. I have no choice other than to serve them. Now, I use that as ministry, but that happens in everyone's life all the time. That was just a relevant example. There are tons of people who are stretched thin, thin, 
thin and they can't say no and they can't delegate. But here's the interesting part when I say don't think so highly of yourself. Moses replied to his father-in-law, it's because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, it comes before me and I decide between one person and another. And I make known the laws and teachings of God. In other words, no one else can do it. I'm the man. And Jethro goes on to say, it's not good for you and it's not good for them. And guess what? He's right. Because there's a system that's been implemented. The thing you're doing is not right. Surely you will wear yourself out and these people as well for the task is too heavy. You cannot do it alone. This is a lesson from Jethro. Learn to delegate. Understand that other people have talents. Other people have abilities and they need to be used. You can't do it alone. And just because they're there doesn't even mean you have the right answer. Moses did. Number six. And this is primarily, initially, this will sound like it's, it's just for, for the Jewish people in the room, but I'll bring it around. Never, ever, ever criticize a convert to Judaism for being less than a natural-born Jew. Now, that extends into our congregation of God-fearers. And my statement to you is, never ever think that something given to you is equally worth something earned. Everyone in this room who is not of a Jewish background has made a choice and a decision to participate in something that's difficult. Converts to Judaism make a decision to participate in something that's difficult. Very difficult. As a matter of fact, converts and many sources in Judaism are considered better Jews. Why? Because they weren't born like that. They had to make a choice to put themselves in the middle of this craziness. Jethro embarrassed Israel. As a matter of fact, the book of Sanhedrin says. How did he do it? I want to tell you what Jethro said in Exodus 18. Vayomar Yitro, Baruch Adonai, Asher Hatzil Ethem Miyad Mitzrayim. Jethro said, Baruch Hashem. God, I mean, Jethro invented the phrase, Baruch Hashem. He's the first one to say it. And Sanhedrin goes on to criticize the Jewish people. It says Moses and Israel, in essence, should kind of be ashamed of themselves for having been delivered through all this and singing and dancing, but not offering a blessing up to God. Jethro taught you that, but he taught you more than that. You know what Jethro did? He did it from a place of selfless gratitude. He heard the story of what God had done for Moses and the children of Israel, and he said, bless God. Not for anything it means to me, for what he did for you. Selfless gratitude. 
And that, my friends, is what I see when I look in this room. It's what I see when so many of you pray these prayers about Israel and you support the Jewish people and you revel in the joy of being a part of a Jewish family that's all-inclusive. You will never hear me talk about Jewish superiority. There is no such thing as Yitro teaches it. Yes, Judaism, through the Ten Commandments and through the things that God has called us to be as a kingdom of priests, yes, we're supposed to be a light, but that light is on equal level for everyone, and we all go together. Never criticize someone who has earned what you were born with. Number seven, don't surround yourself with yes-men or women. Jethro gives Moses very clear instruction. He says, you shall seek out from among all the people capable men who fear God, trustworthy men who spurn ill-gotten gain. Set these over them as chiefs of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. The word in 1821 where he's giving that instruction is very different than the word to choose. It's the word to discern. He didn't just say, go choose some guys, Moses, it'll work out. He said, discern, select, think through your decision. When you have a difficult decision to face, the worst thing you can do is choose some people. Do you know why? Because you choose easy. You choose people that agree with you. Who wants to put themselves in a situation to have disagreements or to hear something different than what they really want to say or what they really want to do? I can tell you from someone who gives counsel, nobody wants you to tell them something different than what they walked in the door thinking they should do. Moses, discern the men. Put yourself aside. Think about who's going to serve the community and you best. Don't choose yes men. And from Jethro, who was no yes man in and of himself when he told Moses what I already said, now listen up, son. That's pretty bold, Yitro. But he wasn't a yes man. And Moses was smart enough to know that and to listen. Number eight, I told you before, don't don't overestimate yourself, but also don't underestimate yourself. Be proud of a job well done. This is something from the Parsha, but this is something that Moses teaches us within it. Be proud of a job well done. Based on the math from the, Parsha, from the section I just read you, set over them as chiefs of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. What that means is basically one in seven or eight Israelis was serving in some type of judge role once the system was in place. Do you know what that means? Let me help you with the math. That means that 600 liters of thousands were there. It means 6,000 liters of hundreds were chosen. It means 12,000 liters of 50 were chosen. And it means 60,000 liters of 10 were chosen for a total of, Paul, you're not listening, Paul. You should have been doing that math in your head. 
78,600 judges. What does, this have to be, what does this have to do with being proud of yourself? Being proud of a job well done. Who was doing it all before the 78,600? When you can do the job of almost 80,000 people, that's worth being proud of. And then, see rule number five. Learn to delegate. Number nine, recognize the importance of ability. Also, something more from Moses, but Jethro's involved too because Jethro knew, Jethro knew that people could, could do it. But there's an interesting argument that takes place within the sources about this particular section because he gives the four attributes, you know, the, the, what I just read you about what Moses was looking for in the, in the men. There's even argument, there's, there's discussion, I shouldn't say argument, there's discussion that the four actually means more than four, and well, but, but he couldn't find there, anybody who actually had all four. So the thing that the sages generally agree on regarding what you should be looking for if you're Moses or if you're choosing your discerning men is someone with a good and kind personality. Above wisdom and intellect that when it comes to choose men of ability what it actually means is choose people that are that are going to get along with people that are kind that are wise but then sforno who's a great commentator comes along with his commentary and says he couldn't find anyone who had like many of these attributes, especially not all of them together. So instead, Moses chose ability first. And what does ability mean? It means scholarship and wisdom. Why is that important? He bases this again on something from the Talmud. It says, even if a scholar is vengeful and bears malice like a serpent, gird him on your loins. That means stay close to him because he's smart. If an am haaretz, which is an ignoramus, is pious, do not dwell in his vicinity. What does this mean? Here's what Sforno is saying. By analogy, metaphor, comparison, I don't know what the proper English term is. You've got a thing. You've got a thing in your body, God forbid. The thing needs to come out. It's not good. It shouldn't be there. It's some form of disease. You go to the doctor. Here are your doctors. Here are your choices. You are, you are such a nice patient. I'm so happy that you chose me to come and allow me to remove this horrible, debilitating mass. Oh, well, doctor, you're a, you're a pleasure. It's nice to meet you. How long have you been doing this? Uh, I haven't, actually. You're, you're going to be my first patient. Oh, well, how, I mean, how long have you been practicing? It's my first day. I'm, I'm excited, though. Oh, well, where did you go to med school? The first or the second time? Um, well, 
And then you meet the other doctor. Hello, Dr. Smith. I'm Damien Iser. What are you here for? Uh, I've, got, I've got this thing. What is it? I don't know. That's up to you. Okay, let me look at the file. Okay, I got it. I can take this out. You'll be fine. Well, doctor, I'd like to ask you some questions. I don't have time for questions. Do you want me to fix it or not? Well, just one question. How many times have you done this? I've been practicing for 50 years. I've removed 100,000 of these. Do you want to do it or not? Which doctor do you choose? I choose the doctor with ability, not personality. So I tend to agree with Sforno, and I go back to my point. Learn to discern ability. Personality is nice. It's not always the best thing to have. As a matter of fact, I thought of this. This will get me in trouble because we're a 501c3, and I'm not making any political statements at all. But if you look at the current leadership of the United States of America, in the category of personality, <laughs> and I'm talking about the big white house here, not the bigger white building that has also a bunch of crazy people in it, but the economy and a number of other things are all thriving because of ability, not personality. It's a relevant message. Sometimes you just got to go with ability. Number 10, speaking of ability, <clears throat> leaders can see potential in other people. And you all have ability. Leaders see potential, and they come to you because they're following the other rules that I've given you. Learn to delegate. Don't prejudge. Don't think that you have all the answers. And leaders look, and they see ability, and they offer you opportunities to put that ability into place. You are the only one who can say yes. I recognize in our congregation and in many other circles that I run in, ability. Thank God most of you are nice too. That's an added bonus. But when leadership of anything comes to you and asks you to participate, only you can say yes. Yeshua certainly put this rule into play. By the way, Yeshua, he fit all all, all the things, all the things that Moses was supposed to look for according to Yitro. The people were amazed by Yeshua's teaching, right? He was wise, he was a scholar, he was brilliant, but he was also compassionate. And obviously, because he was having dinner with Pharisees and there was drinking and partying, it seems to go on because they, they attacked him, he seemed to like be kind of fun too, like you could hang out with them. And he certainly had a fear of God, and he certainly had no love of money, and these are all the things that Moses was supposed to be looking for. Yeshua fulfilled it, but he also saw potential in 12 guys. 
He was a great recognizer of ability. And he put his trust in those people to take a mission forward. We're doing that today, actually, in Messianic Judaism. So that's a, that's a, that's a little thing. It's not a guilt trip. It's, it's a real statement. And just because I feel so incredibly blessed today to be having the opportunity to talk to you about these 10 things, I'm going to give you one bonus. See, Yitro teaches 11 things. There's only 10 commandments. Number 11, humility wins every time. Humility wins every time. We asked, why does Jethro start this portion? Jethro blesses God, accepts him, eats with Aaron and the elders, and you know who he becomes then? After his conversion, I should have said at the beginning, we do know that Jethro converted, right? He joined Israel. He became a Jew, though that wasn't really the nomenclature at the time. Jethro, the ultimate picture of convert. Jethro, he blesses God. I already told you he invented Baruch Hashem. He accepts him, and then he has a meal with Aaron and the elders. He offers up these sacrifices, and you know who he becomes now? Jethro, the one who told Moses how to do it. You know who he really becomes? From that point forward, you don't hear his name again. He's just Moses' father-in-law. When he receives God, he gives up that which is the most important to us, our own name. And this text only then refers to him as Moses' father-in-law. He's a picture of humility. What he did for Moses was not out of wanting to be right. It was about helping. It was about serving. And I think he's pretty happy to just be Moses' father-in-law because as it will be so many times in your life, the great things you do may just be between you and God. And your name may never even factor in. Does it change it? Not at all. Humility wins the day. Paul, for you, 10, leaders see potential in others. There you go. Because I know you were confused. Now, let's close this thing out. <clears throat> Number 11 is be humble. Eventually, Jethro becomes just Moses' father-in-law. He's a servant. He rejects false gods. He rejoices for others. He loves God. He loves his fellow humans. And he sacrifices himself for the good of others. Man, that sounds familiar. Yeshua, yeah. Jethro, yeah. And you? This is the picture. It should be us. 
And so that, my friends, is from that much, one chapter, all that Jethro can teach you. I didn't even mention the Ten Commandments, but I'll close with this. You're all invited back next week to this locality to have a heaping helping of some Jewish spirituality. Torah, Yeshua that is. Y'all come back now. You hear? Shabbat Shalom. We hope you enjoyed the weekly teaching. We'd love to hear from you with a comment, a prayer request, or questions you might have. We believe the mission and message of Messianic Judaism is something the world needs now. If you enjoy these teachings, would you consider financially supporting the work of Nachamu Ami by visiting our website at www.makingmessianic.com and clicking the Give Online button in the upper right corner. Thank you again for listening.